ladies and gentlemen, welcome back in to the Lunch Table Kings podcast. Once again, I am your host, Max Holtzclaw, and we are halfway through the fantasy football regular season. That's right, seven weeks have concluded, and we have seven more on the way before we get into postseason. So, once again, this episode we'll take a look at what happened in week seven showdowns before diving into the week eight preview. So without further ado, let's get underway. So like I stated, we're going to be jumping into what happened in week seven with all the matchups. And as always, we'll start with the highest scoring matchup on the week, the highest scoring team on the week, which also wound up being the closest and the best matchup by far on the week. And this was Zach coming out on top at 172.4, beating out Brandon, who scored 171.9, a difference of 0.5 points for Zach to get the win to move to 4-3 and three on the season. And Zach's leading scorer came down to Mike Evans' big game against the Chicago Bears. He wound up with 31.6 points, and Aaron Rodgers put up 30.5 for Zach as well. Brandon's top scorer was Jamar Chase, the most likely rookie of the year, came up with 34.1 points. And Joe Burrow, his quarterback, had 31.6 points for his best outing of the year. Brandon's team was let down a little bit with Daryl Williams and Aaron Jones only getting eight and nine points respectively. So that was what really hindered his team in this matchup. And one thing I do want to point out about this matchup, the best part about this was that it came down to Monday night with DK Metcalf for Zach coming out and getting the win with 17.6 points. And he got the majority of those points with that one big touchdown play in the first quarter. And after that, Metcalf did not catch a second ball until late in the third, early in the fourth quarter. So I was paying attention to it. I loved watching it. It was incredible to see just how close this game came down to. Really shouldn't have been that close if Metcalf comes out and scores a big touchdown to start the game. But, you know, Geno Smith. Taking a look at the second matchup on the week, we had Connor come out and dominate Bailey at 172.1 to 107 points on the week. Connor came out with big performances from Cooper Cup with 37.6, of course. And Tom Brady had his 32.4 points. Majority of that, if not all of that, coming in the first half in that game as well. Funny enough, Connor did have a goose egg from Kyle Juszczyk, who he had to start in this game, but obviously did not matter as he was the second highest scorer on the week. Bailey, on the other hand, was led with Jalen Hurts, once again getting 27.5 points. Might not be pretty, but the man knows how to get 25 points per game. After that, there was a bit of a dive. Obviously, seeing as Bailey's team barely got over 100 points this week, he was really let down with some ugly play from Daryl Henderson in a favorable matchup, only getting 9.5 points. Tyler Lockett only managing 3. Henry Ruggs in the boom bust kind of busted this game at 7.1. And J.D. McKissick in the flex, only managing 9.6 points. So Bailey moves to 4-3 and three after this. And Connor moves to 5-2. and two. In the third matchup on the week, we have Russell now on a two-game win streak, beating Chet with a score of 167.2 to 88.4. Russell's team came out hot with Matthew Stafford and Alvin Kamara getting 33 points each, and Chris Godwin getting 25 points. Once again, majority of that coming in the first half of that Chicago-Tampa Bay game. Russell did wind up with a couple of single-digit scorers in Brandon Cooks and Jono Smith. Jono Smith 
leaving the game early with an injury, only managing 7.7 points. Brandon Cooks only at 7.1 points. On Chet's side of the ball, he was led with DeAndre Swift's 28.4 points against the Rams. DeAndre Swift being an elite pass-catching option right now. After that, his team really decided not to show up. Michael Carter came out and did well at 16.4. Hunter Henry in his tight end spot got about an average 10.3. And Devontae Booker got what was pretty close to his projection of 14.6. And after that, Patrick Mahomes really messed up with a 6.7 game. Mike Davis only one point. Marquez Callaway with 6.2. Nicole Hardman with 4.8. And then the real icing on the cake is Amon Ross St. Brown getting zero points and only targeted a couple of times. Meanwhile, the previous couple games, he had 9.6, 13.5, and 13 points. So real uh, miscommunication there between Goff and St. Brown or just a real bad showing overall. And then the final matchup of the week, we had myself taking on Drew, and I was able to come out with the victory at 143.6 to 111.1. My leading scorer on the week was, once again, Kyler Murray at 26.4 points. Terry McLaurin is right behind him at 25, and Debo had 21 in that Sunday night slot fest against the Colts. I did have a single-digit performer with Alex Collins and A.J. Green in my flex, getting 9.6 points. I believe I mentioned on the preview about Sterling Shepard being there. Sterling Shepard did come up with the out designation before the game started, so we replaced him with A.J. Green. Drew was led with Lamar Jackson once again. Lamar had a slow start, but was able to recover with 25 points. And then the Thursday night performance of Dearness Johnson was his second leading scorer at 24.8. After that, things do tail off a bit once again for Drew. DJ Moore was able to get a better 13.3, which compared to the past couple games, that's better than what you have been seeing with the 8.8 and 10.9 in the previous couple games. Uh... He also had Cortland Sutton on Thursday night get 11.8, and David Johnson came out and got a 10.2, which is better than what you were originally anticipating. Unfortunately for Drew, he had 7.6 from Antonio Gibson, 3.6 from Tim Patrick, Noah Fant with 8.9, and then Darnell Mooney in his flex spot only managed 5.9 points. So once again, we will take a look at the adjusted standings now that seven weeks have come and gone. We have two divisions between eight teams the studs division is led by myself alone at the top at five and two now bailey and brandon are both sitting comfortably at four and three in that division and drew is at the bottom at one and six come down to the wire with seven weeks remaining drew has some ground to make up in order to make the playoffs in the pros division we have connor leading the way at five and two zach now at four and three chet at three and four and then Russell on his two-game win streak at 2-5, and five, starting to gain some ground in that division. Taking a look at the points for category, we have the highest team by far being Connor at 1203.2. The next highest is Bailey at 1064.5, followed by myself at 1047.8, Brandon right behind me at 1044.5, then Zach at 1043.8, Chet at 1003.9, Russell with 1,000.7, and then bringing up the rear is Drew with 860.3 points for scored.
we do have one extra special little segment in this week's podcast episode as there was the first trade that happened in this league for the entire season. It involved myself and Brandon as I traded away Debo Samuel and Jamal Williams to Brandon for T. Higgins and Javante Williams. Now taking a look at what that kind of does for our teams, Brandon's team is looking now with his running backs. He still has Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, and Leonard Fournette holding strong as his three running backs. Meanwhile, Debo Samuel will slot in at that third receiver, most likely second or third, depending on how you look at it, alongside A.J. Brown and Jamar Chase. He can take over for Robert Woods and Amari Cooper's role, depending on how you feel about them on any given week. Or he can make for an easy flex play if you'd rather play one of those guys instead in a receiver position. For my team, what this does is it finally allows me to have a more comfortable RB3. As beforehand, I was starting the mixture of Jamal Williams, uh, Peyton Barber one week, Alex Collins. And now I have Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, and Javante Williams as those four running backs to kind of carry that workload. Meanwhile, my receivers still looking pretty solid with Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Deontay Johnson, and Terry McLaurin leading that charge. So just a bit of what this trade will do for both teams heading forward into the second half of the season. So now we're going to dive into the week eight preview of each matchup. And the fun thing is that each team has played each other now once this season. And so we're going to have some repeat opponents now. And this is a repeat of the week one schedule. We're going to start off with what I believe will be the matchup of the week being Brandon going up against Connor in week one, Brandon did take the W in this matchup. And right now Brandon is off to a 24 point lead over Connor with Aaron Jones having played on Thursday night. So Brandon will look for in his, on his team and his roster, look for the play of Jonathan Taylor to continue. He's going up against that Tennessee defense. Tennessee's defense is a little bit suspect to say the least. Um, especially in the passing game. So we'll see if Jonathan Taylor can get some passing work as well. I believe Brandon will also be leaning on newly acquired Debo Samuel against that Chicago Bears defense. Debo is getting a very high percentage target share from Garoppolo, and Garoppolo is still under center going into this Sunday's matchup. So I expect Debo to still have a strong outing uh, up against that Chicago Bears defense, he is currently the fifth best receiver on the year and hasn't gotten less than 10 points each game. And also, I believe we're going to see another game or another important game out of Leonard Fournette. He's going up against that New Orleans defense. New Orleans got a solid front seven and has been very good against the run. So we'll see just how Fournette's usage is in this game. That should be a tough matchup for him. On Connor's side of the ball, we're going to highlight James Robinson up against that Seattle defense. Seattle's defense also been an easier matchup for fantasy players, but that's, again, through the passing game mostly. We'll see if James Robinson can continue to get the bulk of the carries that he's been getting lately, having scored in the past four games five times. Another name to keep an eye on is, of course, Cooper Cup, who is currently the wide receiver one in fantasy and on pace to break uh, every fantasy wide receiver record at the moment. 
Uh, he has not gotten less than 11.4 points in any game, having gotten over the 30-point threshold four times. He is going up against that Houston defense, and Houston is a terrible team. So we'll see if the Rams just run out the clock by just getting ahead real early and just running the ball down the throats of the Houston defense, or if Cooper Cup still gets a lot of work. And the final name I want to bring up is Michael Pittman Jr. against that Tennessee defense, the same defense, obviously, as Jonathan Taylor. As I previously highlighted, they're really weak against the pass defense. At least they have been. They did well against Kansas City last week, but we'll see if that was a fluke or if that's more to come. So, like I said, Brandon is off to a 24-point lead in this matchup. He is currently 4-3. and three. Connor is 5-2. and two. They're both in the same division, so a big divisional matchup with a lot of possible fantasy playoff implications on the line there. The next matchup to highlight is Chet versus Bailey. And in this matchup in Week 1, Chet did take the W in the previous matchup. Uh, in this week's matchup, however, Chet is off to a 7.9 Thursday night head start, and Bailey has 15.9 that he acquired from Chase Edmonds in the Thursday night matchup. The 7.9 from Chet is from Robert Tunyon. Uh, Looking into Bailey's team a little bit more, one of the key players I think to look for is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is currently QB5 on the season. Uh, I think I've heard it best where it's just you don't want to watch him play, but he has just been a fantasy stud this season. Having gotten not having gotten nothing less than twenty one point eight points in any single outing, so Jalen Hurts will look to continue his strong play against the Detroit Lions defense. Another name to keep an eye on is Daryl Henderson Jr. Again, up against that Houston defense. Daryl Henderson, the Rams running back, is currently fourteenth on the season, and he's coming off his worst outing against the Detroit Lions, uh, with fifteen carries for forty five yards and minimal. Passing usage, no touchdowns. So we'll see if he can right that ship against a probably even worse defense in the Houston Texans. And the last thing to keep an eye on, I think, is Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson has been a surgeon, a surging player this season. Uh, currently RB8, which is out of nowhere. And he has had great outings every single week, except for week one, where it was a little bit below average at 8.7. He's going up against the Carolina defense that is solid against the run, but but Cordero Patterson is very well used in the passing game as well. On Chet's side of the ball, I want to see what Patrick Mahomes does on Monday night against the Giants, currently QB4 and coming off of possibly his worst outing he's ever had in his career at 6.7 points. I just want to see Mahomes right that ship. Another thing to keep an eye on is the Sunday night matchup with CeeDee Lamb up against that Minnesota defense. CeeDee Lamb currently 15th best wide receiver. Could be playing without Dak Prescott. We'll yet to see on that. So without Dak, could be in for a rougher game with Dak. He might see another touchdown like how he did previously in week six where he had a 36-point outing with two touchdowns actually. And the last thing to bring up is Cole Beasley against that Miami defense. Miami's defense has been really bad this season. Like, really bad. Out of nowhere. And with Dawson Knox injured, Cole Beasley is more likely to be used, given the fact that his usage seemed to be going towards Dawson Knox, it seems like. And the Dolphins aren't very good against the slot receiver. 
I would expect a bigger game from Cole Beasley in that 1 o'clock outing uh, against the Miami Dolphins. So as I previously stated, the two teams played in Week 1. Chet did take it in Week 1. Both teams have some players that played on Thursday night. Chet off to 8 points, Bailey off to 16 points. Let's see what happens on Sunday. The third matchup to highlight is myself against Russell. And we both had players playing on Thursday night as well. I had Kyler Murray coming out with a measly seven points. Russell had DeAndre Hopkins come out with a below average DeAndre Hopkins at 8.6. So neither one of us got out to good starts on the week. We're going to highlight my team first and take a look at Elijah Mitchell going up against that Chicago Bears defense. Elijah Mitchell probably coming off of his best game of the season. Uh, excluding week one, kind of, where he was forced into a role after Raheem Mostert got hurt. 16.7 points last week. Should be looking to build off of that and keeping Kyle Shanahan's trust in him heading forward for the rest of the season. I also want to see newly acquired Javante Williams, how he does against the Washington defense. Washington has the friendliest pass defense. Um, Not a great run defense, not a bad run run defense, just about average there. So we'll see what happens with Javante Williams in a game where the Denver Broncos are actually getting Jerry Judy back as well. And the final name to bring up is Deontay Johnson against that Cleveland defense. Deontay has been a PPR machine, uh, 26th best wide receiver so far this season, but he has been for sure Ben's favorite wide receiver target, we'll say, with Najee Harris, of course, absorbing a lot of the receptions as well he has gotten 10 12 13 2 and 13 targets for each game so far this season on Russell's side of the ball of course we had the 8.6 points from DeAndre Hopkins but we'll see just how many points Josh Allen can rack up against that Miami defense Josh Allen's first game against Miami he came out and threw for only 179 yards two touchdowns for 19 and a half points in a game in which they routed the Dolphins uh, with, I believe, a score of 35 to nothing or somewhere around that. So we'll see just what Josh Allen does now that he's hitting his full stride. Also another name to highlight is Joe Mixon against that New York Jets defense. Joe Mixon's currently RB11. The Jets have the worst run defense. They just allowed J.J. Taylor and Brandon Bolden to get a touchdown last week. So we'll see if Joe Mixon ends up with three or four touchdowns this Sunday. Now, the final name to bring up is Rob Gronkowski is back after his injury stint. Let's see what's going to be going on with Gronk. Uh, I'm not expecting the same thing that's been going on early to start the season where he was getting two touchdowns each game, except for the game where he kind of got banged up. Uh, so I'm curious to see what usage we get out of Gronk on Sunday. Both these teams did not get off to a hot start in the week one. Max did take the victory over Russell. Russell's currently on a two-game win streak, and I actually expect that to continue this week with the really crappy Kyler Murray performance on Thursday. Excuse me. And the final matchup to highlight is Zach going up against Drew. Zach is off to a 14.2 head start, all 14.2 points coming from James Conner. Drew had zero players play on Thursday night. So the first thing to bring up for Zach is Dak Prescott. And as I previously highlighted with the CeeDee Lamb debate, Prescott is questionable going into Sunday night's game. 
with it being a Sunday night game, it's best to have a backup uh, on standby or just pivot off of him. Zach's backup quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, who already played, and he doesn't have another one on the roster. So we'll see with our waivers going through at 11 a.m. Eastern time for our league if Zach makes a move to get another quarterback or if he just risks it with Dak Prescott. But if Dak plays, he should have a good game. Minnesota's defense is very average, and Dak has been very solid so far this season. Another name to bring up is Derrick Henry. It's Derrick Henry would expect RB1 averaging 27 points per game going up against that Colts defense, and the Colts defense has gotten better. Um, And we'll see just what happens based off of that if Derrick Henry gets a lot of the rushing yards still or if he gets more passing work. We'll see. The final name to kind of bring up is Keenan Allen against the New England defense. New England tends to zone out the wide receiver one or the top receiving option for a team. So we'll have to see if that's Keenan Allen or if that's Mike Williams going into Sunday's game, which player will be kind of zoned out more for the Chargers. On uh, Drew's side of the ball, we will see a QB change with Kirk Cousins taking over with Lamar Jackson on by. Kirk Cousins also in that Sunday night game. Should be a high-scoring game, assuming Dak plays. So I really like that play for the week for Drew. Another name to highlight is he has Dearness Johnson in his third RB spot. And Dearness Johnson coming off of the big waiver wire play where he got 25 points is now going to probably move into a reserve role with Nick Chubb looking to be back this week. So we'll see just how much of a role Dearness Johnson really does have with Nick Chubb back in the lineup. And the final name to bring up is Cortland Sutton against that Washington defense. I previously highlighted that the Washington defense is the most favorable passing matchup. So Teddy Bridgewater should have a good day. And in doing so, that should mean a good return for Cortland Sutton. But Jerry Judy is back this week. So we'll see just how much usage we see out of Jerry Judy. And if he is truly going to be integrated fully into the lineup right away, or if he slowly eased back in. If he slowly eased back in, should be a big day ahead for Cortland Sutton. So these two teams did play once again in week one. Zach was able to take that opener in that, in that first week of the season. So that'll wrap things up for this week's episode of the Lunch Table Kings podcast. Once again, I want to thank you all for joining me on this adventure, on this podcast. Uh, make sure you guys keep tuning in. Good luck to everyone on this Sunday and Monday night's games. And I'll see you guys once again at the end of the week with the Week 8 Recap. <laughs>